Welcome to another episode of the Granite List Live, where we discuss all things related to human capital and employee benefits. I'm Lee Dill. And I'm Sally Pace. And we are joined today by Dr. David Adamson, who is the founder and CEO of Arc Fertility. Thank you for being here, Dr. Adamson. Thanks very much for having me. It's great to be with you. We're excited. We'll jump into fertility care and, and why that matters within the employer-sponsored health plan arena in particular, but you know, high level for our audience to know that Arc Fertility's clinics deliver a quarter of all the IVF cycles in the U.S. and Canada, and your team has educated four and a half million people and provided family-forming journey navigation for 1.2 million of them. So these are significant numbers from a condition that impacts so many lives, and yet really in the United States is just starting to get notoriety, especially within the employer arena. So Dr. Adamson, will you talk to us about what infertility is and how many people really are being affected by this problem? That's an important question because for many, many years, as you pointed out, infertility has not really been recognized as the medical problem that it is. It was just really defined as a disease by the World Health Organization in 2009 and recognized by the American Medical Association of Disease in 2017. In fact, one out of six Americans will suffer from infertility at some point in their lifetime. And so this is defined as inability to get pregnant after a year of trying to have a baby. But what's also become really clear in addition to this very large number of people is that many single women and single men, and of course, those in the LGBTQ plus community, often need to use fertility care, fertility treatments in order to have a baby. So you add up the one in six heterosexuals plus the singles in LGBTQ, this is a very, very large number of people who are affected by this problem. And studies have shown that somewhere between a third to two thirds of people in the population are personally affected by a friend or a sister, brother, or someone going through this problem. So it really is a very big health issue for America. So it is such an issue that employers have gotten involved because it affects so many of their members and their employees. Can you give some numbers of why employers really do need to look at this and offer this as a benefit, not just because it affects their employees, but it affects other things as well? Well, you know, that's importantly, the first thing is to recognize that not only is infertility really common, but it has a significant burden for people. There's a very large proportion, a majority of women who have infertility have significant anxiety and depression, which obviously affects their personal lives, but this carries over into work. And what's often not recognized is that men are biologically involved half the time. Half the time, they're really a significant cause of the problem. And so this is not just a woman's problem. And employers can't think of it, well, it's just I have some women, and so I should think about this. No, men are really affected too. And of course, men are not only affected by the emotional burden that this places on their partners when they have partners, but they're also personally affected with a very high percentage of men who have both anxiety and depression as well. Over 60% have anxiety and one third have depression. So this is not only very common, it has significant personal burdens, and these create work burdens. And the work burdens, of course, are reduced attention at work and reduced productivity problems with people being able to come to work and get their job done. So it really uh, does affect employers a lot. 
Speaking of affecting employers, the other component that seems to have gotten a lot of attention in the past couple of years is this DEI strategy that so many employers are striving to have, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Can you talk about some of the aspects of infertility that are affected by issues surrounding diversity, equity, and inclusion, Dr. Adamson? Absolutely. And this is really, again, Sally, great point because this is something just barely becoming visible to most people. First off, as mentioned, this does not just affect heterosexual couples. And there's really increasing recognition of how it's important to bring diversity, equity, inclusion into the workplace because so many people do belong to a community that has not had equitable health care. So, in particular, Single women and men have generally been left out of the conversation around family forming, despite the fact family forming is really a fundamental human right that's been defined as such by the United Nations and the United Nations Charter. And obviously those in the LGBTQ plus community want to be involved as well. And we've seen Supreme Court changes in law talking about not discriminating against LGBTQ plus in the community. And so it's very important to include them. And of course, we also know, and it's really become obvious in the last few years, how so many social determinants of health really impact marginalized communities, obviously the black community, uh, but also the evidence is very clear with respect to fertility care that also the Hispanic community and other marginalized communities have much less access to healthcare in general, and certainly much less access to fertility care than others. And so if employers are really committed to a diverse, equitable, and inclusive workplace. It's really important to have family-forming benefits because infertility is really a similar prevalence across all of these populations, but access to fertility care is significantly less for those in many of these populations. The other thing I've heard you talk about before that really, I guess, wasn't obvious to me is the emotional impact that this has. Can you talk a little bit about how infertility impacts people's emotional state? Yes. And so the thing is that when someone can't have a family, it's actually pretty elemental for most people thinking of having a family. It affects how they think about themselves as a woman or a man, or obviously in the trans community, there are individuals who also want to have family. So it certainly affects people how they think about themselves and their gender. It affects very much their relationships and how they think about themselves in those relationships, because Forming a family is often a very significant part of that relationship, and it affects people in how they think about their social position in society, because many people, even though they might not define themselves only as a mom or a dad, most people certainly have a significant part of their identity that's tied up in whether or not they're a mom or a dad or the thoughts of being a mom or a dad. And so infertility or the inability to have the family that you want really strikes at the fundamental cores of person's identity. And when this happens, of course, it creates a self-doubt. It creates shame, which is one of the commonest words that we hear. And this results in a lot of, as noted before, anxiety and depression. And as a result of this, infertility is a life event that has been shown to have equivalent emotional and life burden and impact as a divorce, or uh, loss of a significant family member for most people. So it really has a big impact. And as a result of this, people who have this problem really look for any kind of solution they can to solve it. And the biggest reason people don't get care is that they can't afford it. The net out-of-pocket cost to them 
relative to their income is too high. And so only about half the people in the country who need care get any kind of care, and only about a quarter of the people who need assisted reproductive technologies get it. Because of this, employees look for answers. And some of the answers they look for is that they 90% who have infertility say they change their jobs because this is so significant. And when there are benefits, 61% of employees say they're a lot more loyal to the company. Many employers, 58%, think it's going to be discriminatory not to provide these pretty soon. And almost two-thirds of LGBTQ plus community members expect to use uh, fertility care and assisted reproductive technologies in having their family. And what's really important for employers as well is that 97% who bring in fertility benefits say that it doesn't really increase the cost of their plans very much. So there's a huge impact for a lot of people. It impacts workers. It impacts work life for them. And employers can do a lot to improve the quality of their work environment and address DEI and SDOH issues if they have family-forming benefits. So you've talked a lot about impacts that are hard to put a dollar amount on and measure. Let's talk about some of the important characteristics of looking for a family-forming program if I'm going to implement it. I know two are quality and cost. Can you talk about what an employer should look for? This is really important to point out for fertility care. Fertility care can be very, very complex part of medical care, and there are multiple reasons for that. But of course, not only is it really uh, profoundly affecting someone's life, but it also affects others. So generally speaking, uh, of course, there's a woman and a man involved in the heterosexual community, and often there are others involved. And so the care can be pretty complex. And as a result of this, in a health system that is complicated to start with, People really need to have navigation support. They need need good information and they need navigation to help get through all the different aspects of it. So one of the first characteristics of a good fertility care program is that it has evidence-based information and that it has strong personal navigation for individuals. And then when people get into care, of course, a high quality really requires that good doctors uh, provide evidence-based care that it's been documented to work. And this is a problem because many people affected by this become very anxious and frustrated. And as a result, it can be easy for them to undertake types of care that may not be that effective, but cost a lot of money. And so providing a really high quality experience with a high net promoter score through personal navigation and getting people into best quality care is critical. And In addition to that, the other value for employers, of course, is the cost. And it's really important to manage the cost. And the cost can be managed. First of all, when there aren't employer benefits for family forming, what happens is that the employees often go to a physician who may or may not be particularly expert in infertility, but they provide some kind of fertility care, and then they code it out through the general medical plan as fibroids or endometriosis or some diagnosis that is covered under the general medical plan. This results often in inefficient and appropriate care that's wasteful. And so the employer is paying for it. They don't even know it. And this cost has been estimated to be anywhere from 10 to 40% of the cost of actually doing the right thing in the first place. So miscoding is a big problem that employers don't even see. In addition to that, high quality care is going to result in earlier care, more appropriate care, and avoidance of multiple pregnancies and the increased cost of pregnancy and neonatal intensive care units that come 
with increased multiple pregnancy rates if the care is not good. So by having good care, the cost can be reduced through avoidance of miscoding, through getting some discounting from the physicians, and also from avoiding uh, complications. On top of that, one of the issues with cost is that it can really be managed by having the employers only pay for care when it's received and then having the employers choose how much of a subsidy they want. Some of these treatments can be pretty expensive, but many are not expensive. And the employer can manage how much of a subsidy that they're going to provide in a flexible program. And so both quality and cost really can be managed in programs that are currently. I know we've talked a little bit about the economic impact and business impact of providing a family forming benefit outside of some of the subsidy discussion and the reduced costs. Are there other economic impacts that people should expect? The economic impacts for the employer are, first of all, by getting well-informed employees. The employees are going to make better decisions. They're going to have life choices that can reduce the risk of infertility, for example, uh, avoiding sexually transmitted infections, not waiting too long to try to have a baby, not waiting until they're too old, by having good health habits for you know diet, exercise, and weight factors that really affect infertility. And then, of course, by when they're starting to try to get pregnant, doing the right things by not smoking or using other drugs and by making sure that they're trying at the right time in the month. These are issues that are actually pretty easy to approach with good information and can really reduce costs for employers by preventing infertility in the first place. And then again, getting people into care early and getting the appropriate care saves a lot of money. Having some discounts lowering multiple pregnancy rates, which of course can be very expensive. And so this is where the strong information and personal navigation is very, very important even before you get top quality care. And then of course for employers now, they want high values. So they want to know what they're paying for. It has to be transparent with the pricing. In addition to that, fertility drugs can be expensive, but they also can be very affordable when the pricing is transparent and known. And this is certainly something that can be done. So the reality of it is with family forming benefits that there are many ways the employers can bring these in and actually save a lot of money and what they're paying right now and bring in a really excellent benefit, really at a break even at a subsidy of about $10,000 a year. They can basically break even and yet provide all these benefits and value to their workforce and help with their talent retention and recruitment and help with their company culture. Okay, so I'm interested. Tell me what to do next. How do I get in touch? I think the first thing is to really have employers and uh, advisors uh, understand that conversations about fertility now are acceptable. There's been a reluctance in the past to discuss these, but it is acceptable to discuss them. And once people start discussing them, they'll become aware with good information about how a good program can be brought in for them and how it can be very, very successful and very, very cost effective. The ROI and the, the VOI, the value on investment, are very, very high for family forming benefits. So individuals could certainly get in touch with us if they'd like to do that. Uh, Shafina Kong manages this aspect of our program, and she's at skong, S-K-O-N-G, at arcfertility.com, A-R-C-F-E-R-T-I-L-I-T-Y.com. And uh, we're obviously very happy to talk with anyone and and help them understand family forming benefits and how they can help them and give them all their different options and choices so they can create a program that's just right for them in terms of 
who's covered and what's covered and how they're going to pay for it and how much they're going to pay and how they can manage all these costs. And we're very happy to uh, discuss that with anyone who's interested. Fabulous. Well, thank you very much for sharing your knowledge, for sharing your time. Thank you for being part of the Granite List community. And I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to another episode of the Granite List Live. Thank you very much, Lee. And thank you very much, Sally. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Granite List Live. Access our entire library by visiting your favorite podcast venue or subscribe on our site, thegranitelist.live.com.